Hello and welcome to the AV Forums podcast for the 9th of April 2014 and joining me on this edition is news editor Mark Hodgkinson. My father taught me many things. Keep your friends close, but your enemies closer. Movies editor Simon Crust. I don't trust a doctor who can hardly speak English. Games editor Mark Botwright. Fredo! That's quite good. To it. Yeah, to any pedants out there, I will accept that is kind of post-scent of a woman intonation, but I don't care, it's more fun. Audio reviewer, Ed Selly. He was stupid, I was lucky, I will visit him soon. And assistant editor, Steve Withers. He's been dying of the same heart attack for the last 20 years. We're going to start off with a favourite subject of ours, streaming. <laughs> we seem to be talking about it more and more. Mark, tell us about this Amazon Fire TV, what is it and uh, why should we be bothered? Uh, what it is, is it's very similar device to the likes of the Roku, the Apple TV, and somewhat similar to the Chromecast, Google's Chromecast. Um, it's a media streaming box, so it's access to a variety of um, video streaming services. It's launched in the US now with um, Netflix, Pandora, Hulu, uh, the support for YouTube, which was kind of surprising considering the uh, the Kindle Fire tablets don't have an app for that. Um uh, the reason you should be bothered is Amazon is touting the processing power as three times that of the competition. Um, it's got four times the RAM and a dedicated graphics chip, uh, which means it can play um, some games. There's, there's some games coming out for it, as we talked about on previous podcasts, but last week, week before. And there's an optional games controller with it, which is uh, like a, the hybrid of a, an OnLive and Xbox uh, controller. Um, it's going to be priced at $99 in the US. Uh, which Amazon have subsequently come out and said that it's probably a bit of a loss leader. Um, so central to to the whole interface will be Amazon services, so their cloud music, um, primarily the Prime Instant Video service, which the um, the voice search is limited to at, at present, it turns out. So that it's, the, the voice search is no use for looking at the lights of Netflix. Um, yeah, it's just it's just it's a, just a and other streaming box in a lot of ways. But you've got to imagine that Amazon will, will sell a lot of these things. In the same way that they kind of convince people that they can buy a Kindle tablet when they think it's something different and not just a normal tablet. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's not exactly Android. It's a forked-off version of Android that the Amazon devices are on, hence why they didn't have YouTube on the um, on the Kindle tablets. Um, I, yeah, I mean, I, I, it looks like the interface looks nice and simple. It's just your general, you, uh, you, your standard tiled uh, card style interface. Uh, it does 1080p, of course, up to seven. It can pass audio up to 7.1 as well, which which the Roku does. I th- I'd say it was very similar to a Roku 3, but they're um, they're touting this improved processing power. So we'll have to wait and see how much that actually um, matters in 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 practice. Because I've always found the Roku 3 to be extremely fast. Um, yeah, it, it looks a good a good little device, priced priced well, and I'm sure it'll do well. Is there a pretentious button on it? Pretentious button? Not that I've noticed. Yeah, so we're not going to get that that pretentious guy in the commercials with it. Oh, <laughs> yes. I don't know what we'll get in terms of UK commercials. I mean, there's not even a UK launch date uh, announced, but it, it's got, it'll happen. There's, there's, a, got... there's a US version of the same Kindle advert, and it's not half as pretentious as the UK one. The UK really? one, you just want to punch the guy. Are we yes. talking about the one where he seems to be stalking the woman? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on support, <laughs> yeah. Oh, that do you one. Actually, do you actually go through in a in a video sense to the person? Because that strikes me as the most dangerous thing in the world. I mean, can you imagine the drudgery of doing a phone support based job, but then they actually get to see you? I mean, one of the only mitigating factors of doing technical <laughs> support is that you can, you know, you, you can be an unshaven mess, and nobody honestly cares as long as swinging you on your whiskey. Swinging I wasn't on your going whiskey, to suggest you only wear tabs. your pants and a dressing gown, but you, know, <laughs> you, you can. Well, that's your working life, is it not, Ed? You only get dressed. Uh, well, no. Together. Remember, remember, my wife has has people round for singing piano lessons, so I'm obliged to dress every single day. Do you know how much <laughs> that disappoints me? Ed but, is forced to wear trousers. By the tyranny of <laughs> the tyranny of clothes. Well, I was just going to say, Steve. I mean, yeah, you've got somebody staying with you at the minute. That must be a real shock to the system having to put clothes on every day. Uh, I was always fully clothed. Uh, never, no, never did these podcasts without at least a, a three-piece suit and a cravat. <laughs> Um, occasionally, occasionally uh, a cigarette or a cigar. <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, moving on swiftly. What's this Google Android TV box thing? Is this the same like thing? The same thing over again. It sounds like very much the same thing. Oh, right, um, okay. I did, I did a, a Google 
TV review last year, year before, Sony box. There's a bit of a clunky interface, a lack of apps uh, designed for a set-top box. But this this new rumoured device, which I would say was almost 100% going to come, um, is uh, basically a stripped-back version of that, very much again in the style of the of the Roku or, or even this new Fire TV. So this has got nothing, nothing to do with their Chrome thing at the minute, the Chrome, whatever you call it. Well, yeah, the that's the curious thing, because they've just come out with the Chromecast, which is all about just casting uh, content from your your mobile devices app to the TV. Um, but this is more of a traditional set-top box with a, a remote control and everything. So maybe it's just aimed at, at that slightly less tech-savvy market. That's all I can think of. Well, a lot of, lot of TV manufacturers, say second or third-tier TV manufacturers, uh, at CES were using Android TV, Google TV as part of their platform. So it's kind of being rolled out across multiple different uh, yeah, um, yeah, I know. What was the interface like on that? Have you seen that? Not the Philips one. Um, these are the Chinese manufacturers yeah. I was thinking of actually who were who using Android TV. So I didn't get a chance to really get a good look at it. Um, you know, it was just sort of the, as a part of the advertising blurb at the stands. They had like Android TV, Google TV. Uh, it looked, um, you know, it looked not dissimilar from what you'd already seen and reviewed. It was slightly slicker. Yeah. Um, but uh, I mean, they're all much for much just at the end of the day. I mean, oh, they're all basically ways of providing you with either apps, streaming content, or games. Yeah. Um, if you look at uh, I think Samsung's new uh, smart platform for this year, it's not dissimilar from last year's, but one of the big differences is it's added a game platform, so there's more games available. So obviously people think that that might be a, a way forward. Um, we'll probably come on to that again uh, in the game section when we talk about, uh, I mean, I know Mark, Hosh- um, sorry, Mark Botwright's made a, comment about um, Amazon having a console thingy that's not a console. Um, so I think that's what we've just been talking about. Isn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but it has got a controller. You can buy a separate controller, right? So it, it kind yeah. of could be used as a games console. Uh, but I think it, it sort of it, it signifies uh, that maybe this is the last generation of consoles. Maybe people are gaming more and more in other ways. It's a bold call. Um, I think there's always going to be a reason to have dedicated consoles i think you know the only thing perhaps with streaming getting progressively better you know there are going to be different models to you know rent games and that kind of thing but ultimately it it still comes down to the fact that you've got these you know dedicated companies everyone's kind of approaching it from a different end which is amazon have created something that they're kind of backpedaling from anyone trying to call it a console of any kind uh and they're offering games with it. At the other end of the spectrum, you've got, you know, Microsoft desperately trying to kind of tout a multimedia device that's primarily a games console. And they're all kind of tiptoeing towards this center ground where you'll have, you know, some kind of, you know, one device to rule them all. Um, Amazon <laughs> have got the deep enough pockets to do it. Um, but again, I think to a certain extent, some of the the kind of choices of game that they're putting out perhaps shows the way that they're looking at things. They've got this exclusive Sev Zero, which is an FPS, which you think, oh, well, that's a fine game to kind of launch a console with, but it's said to have tower defense elements to it. You know, and the, <laughs> the average price of games, they're going to be $1.85. So you can see, you know, perhaps that they're just looking at it from a completely different uh, viewpoint to the traditional AAA blockbuster game, you know, something like GTA that's going to accrue a billion but cost $150 million to make. They're looking at these kind of, Games where you're gonna, you know, microtransactions where you'll you'll spend small amounts on on little games and then just keep on topping up for extra levels and that kind of thing. Well, that's me. Yeah, basically, it's powered like an Android, you know, a top top of the range Android smartphone. So it's it, obviously it'll port those games easy enough, and that's where it'll that be. That seems out. sensible, really. So, I mean, you say 150 million to develop and make a billion worldwide, might make a billion worldwide, but will definitely cost 150 million to develop. It's quite a big gamble, isn't it? I mean, there have been plenty of other games that haven't delivered in the way that GTA 5 did. Oh, exactly. And that's, I mean, you know, Amazon have bought up uh, Double Helix already. They've uh, hired a couple of developers. Uh, one guy worked on Portal, the other um, Far Cry 2, a couple of designers, sorry. Um, so, you know, Amazon Game Studios will be taking off and we'll soon hopefully see some kind of fledgling efforts from that. But it'll be interesting to see exactly what sphere they tr- try to take it in, whether they will in any way try to compete with the traditional consoles or, as I suspect, they'll just be kind of going down that kind of slightly hybrid mobile tablet style avenue. You know, as big um, a company as Amazon is, they've never yet turned a, turned a massive profit out of any of their businesses. To be no, fair, but they've it, never sought one as yet. I was going to say, it's one of those kind of 
mega corporations that s- slowly they're happy to kind of creep towards ubiquity and domination will come in the future. They're Skynet basically. They'll have to pay tax if they made profits, won't they? Allegedly. Allegedly. I actually Allegedly. live I live uh, I live about half a mile from Skynet. It's a real <sighs> thing. Skynet's a real thing. Skynet is our satellite defense system. Have we learned nothing from the movies is what I say. It's just a shame there's a bit of a lack of ambition, you know, just going after more of the, uh, you know, the, the candy crush sort of, I'll just continuously pay money because I'm a vacuous idiot clientele rather than pushing the frontiers, making something noble. But hey, you know, there you go. Big money in candy crush. I know there is. There's, you know, biblical amount. You know, no one ever got, no one ever, you know, failed underestimating the extent of human stupidity. It doesn't make me feel any better about it. So, uh, as we're talking about uh, and wrapping up on streaming products and and these new devices, uh, Mark, uh, you put a bit up on the homepage uh, for those that are not Sky subscribers. Uh, Game of Thrones is starting season four. How do they get it? Uh, two ways you can do it legally, obviously. Uh, with don't require an annual Sky subscription. Uh, first option is take a four ninety nine entertainment pass out with Now TV, um, which will get you um, like a simul sorry, sorry a simulcast live um, with the Sky Atlantic uh, in SD, or you can hang on for a little bit and get it from the on demand catalogue in 720p so you can do that through uh, the now tv dedicated box which is a little 10 pound streaming device all the rokus uh, lg tvs xbox 360 you can get it through uview but i'll, I'll later learn that you can't actually uh, get the entertainment path through uview so that's that's a non-starter um so you can do it that way or if you um you can take out a sky go subscription for your mobile device um without being a Sky customer, which is £15 a month, which gets you access to all the Sky Go stuff. Um, you'd, have that's to be, a, you'd have to be on. pretty desperate to do that, though, wouldn't you? Because you would be pretty desperate to go down that route, I think. Cause it, I think quality for, won't be for there. now, TVs, things are pretty obvious, and you can do it through a laptop, a PC. Yeah, PC's um, SD only as well. So the browser experience is an SD only, so it's a non-starter for me. You'd have to have 720p minimum, I reckon. Uh, so that's the Roku, the Now TV or LG uh, smart TVs um, that can do it in 720p uh, 4.99 a month if you hang on for, for about 3 or 4 weeks you'll be able to save yourself a bit of money um, because they're available for 30 days on Now TV after first airing so um, you could potentially just take 2 or 3 months subscription out with Now TV and see the lot but the, the, if you've not seen any of it then series 1 to 3 is available as a box set as well and so also you, you get access to Sky Atlantic so you get all the other stuff too all the other, the yeah other yeah you get all, like all, True Detective all the we've been talking about yeah. previously and uh, Boardwalk Empire and all the other HBO shows so I mean much as I've been slagging off Sky, Sky and Rupert Murdoch for the last year um, yeah, today I, I actually bought a four inch nine. No, I could I could watch it. I could watch it succumbed in the end. Laptop and just screen streaming through my Apple TV. You're right; it's not so, it's saying um, standard def, but um, yeah. But you also get Discovery as well, which is pretty good. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, actually, I mean, I, I, I object to paying the money, but I don't mind four ninety nine a month for all that stuff. But I wouldn't really want the full package. But yeah, that's actually not bad value, in all honesty. And and it same means I won't buy the box sets on Blu-ray. Maybe of you will. Well, I will. For, I will for Game of Thrones because I think that's really, really, really just got production values to to warrant that. But lots of other things on 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 you know, HBO shows I probably wouldn't bother buying now. I just watched them on Sky Atlantic or on, on yeah, the Now TV box. Me. Sky Atlantic stuff. That's the only thing yeah. I've been jealous of all these all these years. Sky Atlantic, to be honest. So yeah, I think you guys, I'll get some value out of it for three months, I reckon, then probably forget to cancel it and pay it for another six months after. It's <laughs> Which is usually the case. Isn't That's it? their business model, basically. That's the business model. <laughs> Have you managed to uh, catch up on uh, you? You up to up to speed on person of interest now, or are you still? Oh, season one done. Season two, it was up to it's up to. Uh, episode 10 on channel 5 thanks for telling me about that but yeah it's probably a bit late so I'll have to wait for it's on Netflix again fair enough thoroughly enjoying that so we're all talking about streaming here but Simon was really quite resistant the last time we discussed this Simon have you uh, chilled out are you coming on side with streaming or not nah <laughs> nah Blu-rays mate that's the way forward I definitely will come back to that I think Simon at the end of this conversation but unfortunately yeah. I don't think it is the way forward no I don't think <laughs> so whether either. we like it or not 
yeah. Uh, right, so to wrap up uh, hardware news, uh, let's look at some of the reviews that have gone up. So Cambridge Audio Aero 7.1 speaker package, that's gone up uh, today at the time of recording, so it will be up there um, when the podcast goes live. Also, the X2000 AV receiver from Denon and Denon Soundbar, the S514. So all those reviews are up there. Uh, Steve, what have we got coming up in terms of reviews this week? I've got the uh, Epson TW7200, which is an interesting projector because it's it's around about uh, £1,800, which means it's going to be competing directly with the new Sony HW40 that's being released very soon and we'll be hopefully getting a look at at the beginning of May. So that, that's going to be interesting. It's, it's uh, It looks like it in, includes most of the features you'll find on the TW9200 that I reviewed last week. Um, obviously, there are a few differences and it, it, it's about £1,000 cheaper. So given that the HW40 looks very similar to the HW55, but with things like dynamic iris missing, that's how it looks like the 7200 is also uh, being sort of um, positioned. And uh, so, yeah, I think that'll be an interesting projector to take a look at and then obviously compare directly with the um, Sony when it comes in for review. And I've also got the BenQ W1400, which um, is yet another of the many, many BenQ projectors on the market. Um, another one of their 1080p projectors, DLP. So uh, those are, those are for me this week, uh, Mark. Um, just this week, uh, the Ollie Power 5s have been giving them a good run in. That's my excuse for being late. Uh, then I'm pissing off on holiday for a few days. And then next week, we'll come back with um, Samsung um, PVR blu-ray player combo thing i think I, i'm not very good at modeling but i think it's the h8900 and also sure? um samsung's answer to sonos in a way um speak multi-room speaker system that can actually be set up as a 4.0 um yeah, one room system yeah, they look really good uh, it's got it's like a central hub uh, it's, um, well, the way that, that Samsung sell it certainly is that it's a lot easier to install than Sonos, which is probably true because Sonos, whilst it's got great brand recognition, isn't the easiest thing to install. This does look a lot simpler. And as you said, Mark, you can use it as a 4.0 system. You can, it also will connect um, with Samsung's new lineup of TVs, connects with their new lineup of PVRs and Blu-ray players. Um, and uh, yeah, it looks, it looks really interesting. The, um, the tech behind it looks very good. Yeah, looking forward to that. Something a bit different. So that yeah, I was, really I was looking forward to it until I let Sorry you know. Sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I really don't feel bad about that. That makes a change eunuch and stuff off of him. Yeah, to be fair, I think that's true. And I've also, oh, yeah, Sony yeah, TVs, more, more Sony stuff, um, Blu-ray player and um, the 7 Series. All right, so uh, that's the hardware coming up and that wraps up hardware news. We're going to games next. <laughs> Up, right. Just finish a mouthful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a mouthful of, mouthful of what? Chicken curry. Oh, <laughs> right. Are, are we ready? Okay. This I've seen a couple of tweets about this ET game. Um, it's and, funny. <laughs> yeah. It's supposed to be the worst game ever made, or something like that. I mean, explain this story to me. Yeah. Um, basically, uh, back in the days of the Atari Twenty Six Hundred. Um, when E.T. was coming out and was set to be a, a huge film and the huge kind of event of of the year, um, Atari basically banked everything on making this game uh, to tie in. And they tried to make sure that it would come out not only in the same year, but also in the, the run up to Christmas. Um, unfortunately, there was kind of wranglings over um, you know negotiations about rights and the like so they could finally get it made. And once they'd got that uh, all done, it left the guy who was designing it basically under six weeks to make the game, um, which is why it's <laughs> it's a little bit of a mess. Yes, um, it, it's yeah, as you said, widely claimed to be the worst game ever made. It's you know if if you've ever seen, there are some videos out there of like speed runs of it, and it just looks horrendously bad. I mean, even by kind of the threadbare Atari 2600 standards, it doesn't seem to have any kind of redeeming gameplay features to it. Um, and basically, it, it kind of bombed so badly that it, it stuck a nail in the coffin of Atari and also was a, a contributing factor to the 1983 video games crash um, to the point where Atari decided to dump all the unsold cartridges in a landfill in New Mexico. Now, I'd always assumed this to be something of an apocryphal tale, um, 
But Microsoft were set to make a, a documentary. I think they, they announced it sometime last, towards the end of the last year that they were going to make a bunch of exclusive content for, you know, Xbox 360 and the Xbox One to kind of tie in with the whole idea about, you know, prime content and that kind of thing. Um, and the first was going to be focusing on Atari and in particular, uh, you know, the big game that everyone tends to associate with them, which is the flop that was E.T., um, but yeah, it's finally come through that New Mexico Environmental Department have given the go-ahead for digging up the old landfill and seeing exactly what's there. Um, it's said to be encased in concrete. Um, the cartridges smashed, uh, you know, crushed beforehand. And um, apparent, according to the, the bastion of, you know, all good reporting, that is Wikipedia, it was a landfill chosen because they allowed dumping at night and wouldn't allow scavengers. Uh, so it's Was it encased in concrete so they couldn't escape or something? Well, <laughs> it's got the Indiana Jones something about it. You know, it's been studied by top men. Um, <laughs> <laughs> top men. Yeah, but it, it's just, I, I think it's going to be fascinating just to see how much there is there because, you know, the kind of quantities that you're talking about to kind of cripple a company like Atari must have been huge. The fact that they had to kind of, haggle about which landfill they wanted to send them to you know if it all does turn out to be true there could be a ridiculous amount of cartridges laying in the ground uh, what, still, will any of them still be intact or are they all just destroyed i would have, i would think they'll all be kind of crushed um but who knows maybe there will be one left one surviving member <laughs> put it, in a... it, it depends on the quantities doesn't it i mean my favorite thing about it is that um obviously uh, years and years ago, there was. It, it, I don't think it, it. It never actually got released in its entirety. But Penn and Teller did a sort of. Were, were set to release a, a computer game, uh, and one of the bits on it was was it, it, it's Desert Bus, which you can actually watch a YouTube video of. It was designed to be the most boring game ever devised. Um, and yet, it still manages to be better than than ET, <laughs> which is quite quite a, a remarkable achievement. Uh, I mean, it must be said if you, are, I, I believe, on YouTube there is actually a, a video of someone playing Desert Bus to completion, which is quite something. I mean, that's nine hours, I think. <laughs> you know the yeah. you know the prospect, you know the principle behind it, don't you? Is it just a view out the window of a desert bus? Well, yeah, you have to drive from, I don't know, somewhere at one end of a, a legitimate town to another legitimate town in a bus, and you can't exceed the speed limit. It pulls very slightly to the centre of the road, so you have to continuously make corrections. <laughs> you can't just leave it and go. Um, and if you make a single mistake, it takes you straight back to the beginning of the game. And then when you get to the other end, you just have to turn around and come back. <laughs> Sounds good. I mean, I look forward to uh, someone managing to uh, make a make a microtransaction based version of it and, uh, and 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 make a fortune. So stranger things have happened. I will point you to the fact that Goat Simulator is did shoot to the top of the Steam charts. <laughs> oh, and that was after we talked about it last week. <laughs> yeah. no, no, we didn't. I cut all that out. Oh, you didn't. You? <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> There's a 1.1 patch available for it soon as well. Goat Simulator it adds multiplayer and uh, <laughs> local, split, <laughs> local split screen multiplayer and a new map. <laughs> I would dread to think. Goats are more fun in, in, in large numbers. So That's a great soundbite. <laughs> yeah. uh, director uh, of the documentary is going to be Zach Penn, who was a writer for. X2, X-Men The Last Stand, and The Avengers. I think it was the story for The Avengers. So, you know, it's got some pedigree behind it. I'm going to watch it. Good. You do that. And then you can report back on the podcast as to how good it actually is. Talking about podcasts, Games Podcast is uh, coming up next Monday, Mark. So what can we expect? Um, I've no doubt that we'll touch on uh, Facebook and Oculus. Um, big games, I suppose, now that people have had a suitable amount of time with Titanfall, I don't know if people are sick to death of it, but no doubt that will get mentioned by Leon, who's certainly been playing a lot of it, and uh, Infamous Second Son, which is the big, uh, first really, really big exclusive for Sony's PS4. And that's coming out when? Um, today's the 7th. Uh, <laughs> tom- that's it's exactly, fr- seven, it's exactly seven days. So... It's always uh, the fourteenth. That's next. Next. Yeah, we pretend. <laughs> yeah, today's Wednesday. That's coming out next Monday. Yeah, 
That's and, right. Uh, by, by the time this podcast goes out, Mark and the team will have started recording it. Um, <laughs> Unlikely. <laughs> and, the, and the game you just mentioned is already up on the website, isn't it? Review. Indeed, Second it is. Sun. Second Sun is. Yeah. So you're going to be talking about you know the latest breaking game stuff then. Games moves at a slower pace than your world. Okay, we're just happy with goat simulators and talking about games that were put in landfills thirty years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Exciting stuff, it really is. Okay, so that wraps up games. Uh, come back in a second when we talk movies. internet again it's you know how bad it is without internet ah the last week it went out from tuesday i didn't have anything until friday about eight o'clock in the evening that's unbelievable have to go and buy a porno mag (laughs) (laughs) just scour the hedges it doesn't work anymore it does you're talking from experience there it does in the west country uh maybe in your neck of the woods but the the diligent uh, porn dispersers of Milton Keynes seem to have retired these days. <laughs> That's because you've got straight roads. Got plenty of hedgerows, mate. And 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 surreptitious parks. Do you know actually we've got two sets of concrete cows? Little known fact. Is it two sets or, or is it just one species set? of concrete? No, cows. we've got two sets. There are two identical sets. There's the set. The original set is now in the ta- in the shopping centre. Um, did they just have calves? No, no. Honestly, there's two two. There were two batches made. And then the the set in the original location where the first set was, the spare set has now been put up. They're near the railway line. You can see them. So, the so, so someone said these cows were such a success. Let's make a sequel. I can assure oh. you, Mark, there was no unauthorised breeding in Milton Keynes. <laughs> Ultimately, it you know, for better or worse, it's what Milton Keynes is is associated with. There's so many people, and we've now got two sets. So you know, and they got well, they got Halloween costumes a couple of years ago. They were all done up in skull regalia. They look really cool. All right, thanks for that. Wow. That's pretty tacky. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, yeah, no, what am I saying? <laughs> okay. okay, so we're going to start uh, with rolling the music now. I don't know if I've got Godfather music. I'll have to have, to have a look. Um, Mark's AV Snack. Right, okay, so as to in honour of the uh, quotes we've done, uh, Godfather-themed recipe, um, boiled horse's head, no, not really. Um, I think most Mafia people, without generalising too much, all eat, <laughs> all eat how, how many do you know? with linguine, don't they? Yes, thanks. Right. Based purely upon watching Sopranos and The Godfather, <laughs> you said that, haven't you? You disparage yes. an entire nation. Entire <laughs> nation? Criminals, man. Right. Well, so, no, you said so, it twice now. You know, you call the Italians criminals. As well as you <laughs> damn I, actually, actually, I think he's factually correct there. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's right. Italy's an Italy. There are two Italy's. I mean, the, the, the northern bit is, broadly speaking, just like a slightly less reliable version of Europe. Mm. And then south south of Rome, it's it's a third world country. It's just nobody bothered to tell the inhabitants. Compacts for off, th- Third world with Gucci. Look, nice food. Lovely scenery, gorgeous weather. Women right, okay, so familiar. talking about food, come on, let's crack on with let's this snack. Right. Yeah, sorry, yeah, that's just the idle banter, enough of that. Right, okay, so I'll keep dead simple recipe. Um, you can lose linguine or spaghetti, but linguine just sounds a bit cooler. Uh, you'll want some uh, olive oil, a green pepper, a red pepper, a bit of garlic, um, either shallot or onion, Finely, all finely chopped, by the way, finely diced. Uh, and then you can use... If you can get clams, use clams by all means. If not, just get some mussels. Um, get your fishmonger to clean them up for you. You don't want any of that de-bearding business. Uh, um, perhaps a handful of cherry tomatoes chopped in half. Maybe a shrimp or two. Maybe some prawns. You can, you can, you can be fairly loose with what you put in, as long as it cooks fast. Um, so get your linguine boiling in a pot, salted water. Um, probably eight to ten minutes, generally what it takes. Um, drain and reserve drain and keep it in a little bit of hot water with a bit of oil um, and yeah, you need to reserve a little bit a cup to half a cup full of water with that um, fry up your it is a separate pan this is fry up your uh, onions pepper 
um, garlic, what else did I say? That's probably it. Soften those up um, three minutes or so. Chuck in your mussels, chuck in your white wine, which I didn't mention, so you want a dry, a dry white, <laughs> Italian white, um, sort of uh, just a glassful, uh, a small glassful. Um, put a lid on that, two minutes, and your mussels should be cooked. You'll know when they're cooked because they'll reopen and the and the, your shrimp stroke prawn will be pink. Uh, toss in your linguine uh, with the reserved water, which will thicken it a bit because the starch in the pasta will slightly thicken the sauce. Um, black pepper, fresh basil, and lemon wedges to finish. That was all good, apart from the seafood. Yeah, apart from the seafood, it wasn't really dedicated for you, that one. But I couldn't think of anything else. Mafiosery. <laughs> Well, surely cannoli would be the obvious one, wouldn't it? Uh, Leave the yeah. gun, bring the cannoli. Yeah. Uh, yeah I actually had, funny enough, I had linguine tonight. I had linguine and tuna and did capers. You, did you cook it they, yourself? No, did. I did not cook it myself. You're going to be but lost. You're going to be lost delicious. when this guest goes, aren't you? You're going to be back to eating what? What were you eating? Avocado. <laughs> Jaffa, Jaffa cakes. Whatever the neighbours threw away the previous day. <laughs> Jaffa yeah, cakes. Yeah. Popcorn. Popcorn was a big contingent, big component of my diet, I should say. Popcorn and Nespresso. Breakfast uh, breakfast champions. Well, <laughs> no more. Right, uh, Mr. Botwright, what did you think of that? Sorry, finishing a mouthful. Cooked <laughs> <laughs> it already. That was pretty good. That was good. A <laughs> uh, bit too complex for me. Um, two pans. Yeah. <laughs> You could try it in one, but it would be a mess. Yeah. <laughs> Mark Hot Pot Botwright has just spoken. I'll do a hot pot next If you can't throw it in one, then it's no good. No, well, you're eating curry, aren't you? Where do you cook your rice? Microwave. Not no, you. you. Him. Yeah, but, <laughs> yeah, no, but you, you, cook, you, cu- you cook your rice in the pan, and then the curry goes around the microwave. See? You know, multitasking, that's fine. Uh, you know, if, if I've got to use two different hobs... That way, calamity lies. It helps that you can cook the linguine in the microwave. There's no advantage to doing to so. To be honest, I, I'm struggling because I don't know what linguine looks like. So. <laughs> it's spaghetti, but quite square. <laughs> square. <laughs> Rather rounded. Can you spell words with it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah but requires some assembly. <laughs> <laughs> right, so it's a bit complicated for Mark Simon. Ah, uh, the piece of piss, mate. Yeah, easy. I can do that. Now, I'm not a huge fan, a huge fan of the, uh, the the shellfish stuff, chucking in. Um, I'd rather do it with a, 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 a meat. Meatballs, I'd make meatballs and cook it that way. So you like a bit of meat? I like a bit of meat, mate. Oh, it's yes. It's all in his mouth, isn't it? <laughs> I don't mean... Resting on his chin. <laughs> <laughs> that is that is a sore stain, isn't it, Simon? <laughs> Uh, Ed, what did you think? Oh, I'm a big fan. Uh, I have to admit that because um, obviously my wife is a vegetarian, um, don't hold it against her. She just she is. can eat fish then. No, 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 no. Fish she aren't vegetables. Overall, um, no, 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 no. Uh, not an ethical vegetarian. There's no, there's no issue. I mean, we have we have leather sofas and stuff, but no, doesn't 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 do doesn't do. If it has a pulse, be it piscine, avian, or or actual, you know, mammalian, it doesn't. It still doesn't matter. So I mean I generally do exclusively vegetarian versions of it, but do you know what? If the quality of the uh, tomatoes and so on and so forth going into it are are up to snuff, it it genuinely doesn't need anything more. It is one of the life's little pleasures—a genuinely good, you know, tomato and basil sauce. Just just the best, the best bloody tomatoes you can get your hands on, and just yeah, it's a joy. A, a wonderful, wonderful thing, and I, um, you know, I eat it at least once a week. I don't understand vegetarians. I mean, they want okay. to save, they want to save the animals, yet they'll go and eat their food. You know, I just don't understand. <laughs> I, no, no, no. We, I, I, I need to need to defend my wife's honour here. It, honestly, it just has never liked eating meat, and you know, we have leather sofas. I've got that ridiculous coat. She's got you know leather shoes, more more shoes than the Melda Marcos. There is not a single piece of ethical sort of thinking behind it at all. And I have to say, I've uh, you know I've I've enjoyed the challenge of doing vegetarian food, which doesn't depress me over the last sort of year and a half. And yeah, some of it's quite good fun. I mean, the one thing I just do as a matter of course now is avoid meat substitutes. If you eat meat, meat substitutes are just 
inevitably disappointing there's no possible way around it you know it doesn't matter how many times Mo Farah tries to advertise it it still tastes like ass. so you know um, it's a way it's a way in the advert it's protein get some protein into your workout yeah, it makes it sound yeah. like Soylent Green. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, if anyone had watched The Trip in Italy on Friday night, uh, Rob Brydon and Steve Coogan were debating whether or not to eat, if they crashed in the Andes, whether they'd eat Mo Farah's legs because they'd be quite nutritious, and whether they'd start eating them while he was still alive <laughs> by putting a tent up so he couldn't see the noshing where he's there. If he broke his back, broke his spine so he was paralyzed on the waist down, put a tent up so he can't see what they're doing and start eating his legs while he's still alive, keep them fresh. If you haven't seen The Trip in Italy, I do recommend it. It was really Really funny. I know, Ed, please don't go off on a ram- rage about how much you hate Steve Coogan. It was really funny. When they did the Michael Caine off, Michael Caine off. Oh, Michael <laughs> Caine, is, is, is that all hysterical. they can do? It's always Michael. Bloody no, 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 no. They start doing a Michael Caine in Batman, in The Dark Knight Rises, talking about you know, saving all his emotion of Master Bruce, you know, I won't bury another Batman. And then, and then they go off into doing uh, Al Pacino, of course, Tom Jones. They do a fantastic Morrissey that's really funny. Uh, it is it is worth watching. Plus, also, if you like food, it makes you hungry at the end of it, too, because they're eating some great restaurants. But um, worth seeing. I've still got Steve Coogan in there. Yes, I know you won't watch it, Ed. That wasn't aimed at you, obviously. It was aimed at the five, five other people listening to this broadcast. That's, uh, that's an, another one to add on to the list of Ed's hates. I think we should do it just before Christmas, just to impress everybody. I think it would take all Christmas to record it, won't it? By the time he's finished <laughs> ranting and raving about what he hates. We'll just thing, turn, just, you can just start the recorder, Wolf Christmas come yeah, back you'll in just New Year's. You'll just have to do, do me in shifts. You'll just turn up as like the guest <laughs> the, the guest for me to rail against in, in sort of hourly installments. Right, okay. Uh, Mr. Withers, what did you think? Uh, big, big, yeah, big fan. I, I definitely up for that. I love a bit of, love a bit of linguine, love some mussels. Nice pasta sauce, can't go wrong. Yeah, bit, love it. Fantastic. You just can't help yourself, can you? Uh, in what sense? I just love a bit of mussels. You could have just said shellfish. <laughs> you could have gone seafood, but no. Well, no, you no, see, no, I don't no. like a lot of shellfish, but I do like mussels. Uh, and I don't mean the ones covered in baby oil, baby oil at the ends on, on, on the rock's arms. <laughs> so really, what, what, what shell, what, so you like mussels, but what shellfish don't you like? Well, no, I don't know. I'm just I'm not, you know, I, I do like a, a mussel, though, every now and then. But um, a lot of other stuff is a bit fiddly. You know, getting them out of their shells and that sort of stuff. I can't be bothered with it. You see, I mean, I, maybe because obviously I eat them more because they're comparatively cheap. But I've had more bad experiences with mussels than almost any other shellfish. In, in some regards, I'm sketchier towards them than I am against almost. Well, you see, I had a, an episode when I was about nine or ten with seafood, and I've never touched it since. The, the, I think we were in Spain, and I had a paella with seafood in it, and it made me really ill, and I've never touched fish, fishy stuff again. Well, you see, yeah, I've, yeah. Never eat, I've never eaten sardines since I was six because I ate sardines for the first time and the very next day I had chicken pox. And I've never been able to disassociate the two things, even though I've... I, oh, oh, Absolutely no connection whatsoever. Yes, I, I can't, sef- I can't di- separate the two. So, I'm the same uh, with quavers. Some of experience. Kid threw up on the school bus. <laughs> can't stand the smell of them. <laughs> Take away from that. Did the kid throw up on you? (laughs) No, it was just on the bus. (laughs) And it wasn't good ventilation, I'll be honest. I can imagine on a school bus. See, if anything, it's actually worse now. Because back then you could at least open the tiny slight slit windows. Whereas now on air-conditioned stuff, you can't open any windows. You just have to, you know, okay, you get a cold vomity smell, but it's a a vomity (laughs) smell nonetheless. Anyway, thanks for the uh, for the t- 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 cooking tip, Mark. Vomit discussion. Everyone's raring to cook it now. <laughs> yeah, between chicken pox and vomit, I'd be right off. Yeah, it, I mean, it sounds interesting, Mark, but it's not one I would eat. So I'm going to pass on that one. I think I passed last week as well on the pancakes. Yeah, dinner. you've passed on everything he's done so far, Phil. <laughs> no, oh, the, apart from the hamburger. The burger. Yeah, I'm, I'm already. Yeah, what a surprise! You went for the hamburger. <laughs> And still such time as it's a deep-fried something nestling in an iron brew juice. You, you need to widen your <laughs> culinary horizons, you really do. <laughs> I don't think I can yeah. please everyone on this podcast with one single recipe. Yeah. Just find just find, find one that pleases Phil. I think that's what I should have you know that, that, that could be a long-term one. I want you to use iron brew as a <laughs> I could make a Chinese sausage and iron brew, I reckon. <laughs> 
It's sweet and sour iron brew. Well, actually, iron brew put me off drink. That's why I don't drink alcohol. Yeah, uh, hang on, it was iron brew's I, alcoholic. No, it was iron brew in Southern Comfort. It is, if, it is if you leave it out in the sun. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was iron brew in Southern Comfort, and it, it went down so well that it came up really better. <laughs> went down. I never touched drink again. I don't know. You must have. You must. That must have been a spectacular colour. Yeah, because I've said that on many occasions. Short, I've gone short back. of having a um, short of the uh, of putting a McDonald's strawberry milkshake in there. Um, I don't know how much you could have improved. I do remember. Sorry, if we're, if we're, we're falling down this chasm anyway. We may as well ride it to the end. The end of that. Years and years ago, I had a McDonald's shortly before I took a uh, Dover to Calais ferry crossing in, <laughs> in, in in the weather conditions that were just. Just about as bad as it could be before they tell the fairies to just lay up and just wait for something better. And I uh, was lavishly sick over the side. And my enduring memories as we drove away from the ferry, I'd left a big pink splodge over the O of P&O. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure we've all got stories of um, <laughs> being sick on things that we shouldn't have been sick on. I apologise to the man whose briefcase I threw up into on the Northern Line back in 1992 when I thought it was my briefcase. I didn't realise until the next morning I opened up my briefcase and found out that there was nothing in it. And I realised that I'd picked up the wrong one in desperation. <laughs> so if you are listening and you did find your briefcase full of vomit the next day, I apologise profusely. Yeah, and if you get in touch, I'll give you the address. So you, can, <laughs> you can be properly recompensed for that. Well, snogging a girl in the back of a taxi and in a desperate attempt, I, I thought, oh God, I've got to vomit. I made a, I said, point out, I went, look, look at that. And then, you know, in the 80s, you used to wear those baggy jumpers with the baggy arms. I, I vomited down my sleeve. And, and so I just kept it in my in bagging, you know, it's baggy mass in the bottom of my elbow of the sleeve and my arm at one angle. While I continued snogging with that and missing a beat. It was, she didn't realize she must have been quite drunk herself. Was she a goth by any chance? No, 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 no. It must have been like so, one of those things they used to decorate cake. <laughs> <laughs> if there'd been a hole in the elbow, that's exactly what it would have been, yeah. <laughs> oh, I did once projectile vomit over a whole restaurant. Oh, there you on, go. On Christmas you, Eve. While you yeah. were cooking. <laughs> no, no, no. I was, it was there, so. Star was taking <laughs> me forever. It was a social event. It was Christmas Eve, if I remember rightly. There was a big group of us, and we were in a very posh restaurant in Presbury. And... Uh, we had these drinks called what was called a greyhound, which is three is three spirits. One of them was Drambuie, uh, and the other two, I can't remember. It's kind of a layered drink, so it's in stripes. And I and I just drank one of those, and it came up very fast again. And I sprayed the whole dining room. <laughs> it was pretty embarrassing, to be honest. I, I haven't done that. I do remember years ago, still working for Cambridge Audio. I'll spare the name of the person involved in this, but um. We, uh, I don't know what it was about hi-fi shows, but you set up and you think, right, okay, we set up. And even people that didn't normally drink, you know, you know, weren't too terrible, but barely drank at all, would suddenly feel the inescapable urge to just get absolutely banjaxed. And we wandered off and got, got annihilated. And the following morning, we opened the stand and my colleague was basically just standing in the corner with her head down and sort of just hunched in on herself, basically doing everything she could to just not die. And this this bloke wanders onto the stand at two minutes past nine in the morning, all set to ask some questions, and he just goes, uh, excuse me, and she just looks up and just threw up all over him. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that wasn't that wasn't great. We, we, he was actually quite happy in the end. We gave him a free DVD player and a Cambridge Audio polo shirt. Seemed all right for that. So, uh, you know. So he had a clean polo shirt to put on, but he still was sick all down his trousers, did he? I don't know. I can't remember how badly we ho- she hosed him. But you know, he, as I say, he seemed quite happy with the compromise. You know, it was a bit of sick compared to a to a shiny, as it does was progressive scan DVD player. Way <laughs> fair exchange. Progressive scan. I, I noticed uh, Simon's been very quiet here. Well, I forgot, you know, I, I can't add show. to any of it, can I? I can't add to any of that. I mean, I've I've got similar stories, you know, sitting in the pub thinking, oh, I'm, I'll be all right, I'll be all right, and just you know, vomiting in my lap. Um. <laughs> The, the worst well, one I've ever seen was in a nightclub and a guy downed a pint, right? He's obviously been getting egged on by his mates. He then threw up into the glass and then drunk it again. Ah, oh, no, that's just wrong. That's so just, that's just no. Big Sounds like neck nominate. <laughs> <laughs> Who else has that's been caught? trying to show he's still with it and trendy. Yeah. <laughs> that's one of my friend's sons. I saw it on Facebook. 
Does the V well, in AV forum stand for vomit now? <laughs> yeah, can I just say to the younger listeners that it's not big and it's not clever? No, it's not. But it is quite funny. <laughs> but it's very hard to get out of curtains. <laughs> We're still talking about vomit. <laughs> right, we get this finished then. We've gone wildly off topic here. <laughs> say the least. It was a nice recipe though. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Sorry, Mark. This is in no okay. way reflects the quality of your recipe. That was quite nice. Yeah, thanks. Well, thanks they would do if the muscles look, were off. Look on, the, look on the bright side. At least this conversation wasn't tacked on to the end of Mark doing a korma recipe. I mean, that would have just. Actually, that's a good point, Mark. You should probably point out if the muscles haven't opened when you cook them for food, don't eat them. I did point did you that say out. That? You I said, did. Okay, good. Yeah. Very responsible. I. Yeah, he did say that. I can confirm. And he didn't say last year. He said last week. I didn't say. Baba Fett, I said Baba Fett, You did say Baba Fett. Actually. I did, yeah. yeah. I even, but it didn't, it didn't sound like that in my head. <laughs> you think you were thinking Baba O'Reilly, weren't you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah give him an excuse. Give him an excuse. difficulty speaking. Right, okay. So uh, that was AV Snack. Thanks very much, Mark. Uh, let's move on swiftly. Uh, what's at the cinema, Steve? Uh, we have two films this week, Divergent and Noah. Uh, Divergent is the latest in the, in the uh, continuing saga of... Um, well, adult, young adult adaptations. So after the success of Twilight, basically every studio has been looking for a young adult series of novels that they can turn into movies. We've had a, a most recently Hunger Games, obviously, which has been very successful. And more recently, last summer, I saw um, had to sit through the Mortal Instruments, which didn't do that well. And this is the new one, Divergent, which I've got to say is a young adult story that seems to be written by a young adult frankly and looking at the writer of the book that's actually the case i think the first novel came out when she was 23 but she started writing when she was doing a degree she would have been in her late teens and it is like that it's like you know imagine someone said okay let's look at what's currently popular and we'll pick all the best bits lob them into a story chuck in things that teenagers will think's cool and we got ourselves a book and that's how it feels like so you've got uh, elements of things like harry potter so within it's, it's set in a, in a post apocalyptic world uh, in the city of Chicago, which is surrounded by a big wall. And within this world, everyone um, work, lives within five different factions. And the idea is that each faction has got certain attributes that would apply to to you know society in general. So uh, the, the, the five, okay, just to get this straight, the five f- factions are abnegation, who are selfless, amity, who are peaceful and do all the, all the um, uh, farming, Candor, who are honest and run the judicial system, which is obviously nothing like real life. Dauntless, who are brave and are basically the military. And Erudite, who are the intelligent people and the scientists. So you can already see the level of uh, subtlety we're going for here. Um, and you basically do a test when you're 16, and depending on how the test comes out, you either join one of these five factions. Unless you're divergent, and then you could have a, a, a factors of, you know, elements of all five factions. And that's regarded as a bad thing, because it, particularly by the Erudite, faction who want to take over um and basically the plot revolves around a girl called beatrice Pryor, who takes her to 16 to she's she's a divergent and then the plot sort of develops from there it involves a hunky guy obviously um uh who there's a, a relationship with at least in this one there isn't a three-way love triangle which makes a nice change and um she ends up joining Dauntless, who are the brave ones. Basically, by brave, I mean they run around a lot, they jump on and off trains, they're a bunch of really annoying dicks. The kind of people that skateboard a lot, jump out of helicopters and, and snowboard down the sides of mountains, really little show-offs, basically. Got some tattoos, because basically tattoos are cool, so kids are like that. Um, and then as, uh, the plot evolves around um, um, her, her kind of going through her training within Dauntless, falling for this guy, and then a, a wider plot develops about um, Erudite trying to take over and because um, the abnegation faction actually technically are in charge, and Erudite think they should be in charge. Basically, the film lasts about two hours and 20 minutes, but by, it's only the last 20 minutes where the plot really kicks in, so it's like a massively long prologue for something that might be a bit more interesting in the second film. Um, it's done quite well in the States. I don't know if it'll do so well here, but it certainly, um, it certainly looks like there'll be more of these books, unfortunately. Um, and it's produced by Lionsgate, who also produced Hunger Games. And obviously, they're desperate for a new franchise to take over from Hunger Games because that will be finishing uh, next year. The depressing thing was it wasn't the most ridiculous film I saw last night because <laughs> then I went to see Noah. No, basically, Divergence Cobblers. But Noah's even bigger Cobblers. <laughs> um, yeah, but we, we all know the story of Noah and we all know it's all made up and, and a fairy tale. So, 
We don't At least there's rock, mon- there's rock monsters in it, so you can, yeah, they don't even... Rock I monsters? Don't, I, now, you see, I don't remember reading about them in the Book of Genesis. <laughs> no. I've got to be completely honest about this. Um, they're, they're the fallen angels. Uh, I think there was something in the Book of Genesis about giants, actually, and these are the giants, basically, that are referred to in Genesis. I mean, obviously, it's all crap, but... Yeah, they're fallen angels and they're encased in rock, which can hold them to their earthly bonds, you know, um, and they have to move slowly. But it's it's basically an eco warning message about being nicer to the earth or it's going to go. We're going to be punished for it in some way. Um, punished yeah, punish by whom? Punished like by our him. winter then. Well, yeah, we've already had our biblical flood, didn't we, over the Christmas? So it's nice. There'd still um, be a hosepipe ban. <laughs> yeah, there will be two days of sun and there'll be a hosepipe ban guaranteed. Uh, yeah, what what Russell Crowe's thinking? I don't know. Um, and had, uh, Emily Emma Watson's a terrible actress, <laughs> and uh, it was just, uh, Ray Winston just playing Ray Winston as usual. Um, one one trick pony that he is. Uh, <laughs> the it was Sweeney just... versus the Ark. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 and he gave you live words as it went on. Yeah, it was it was couples. I was bored to tears to be honest. Looking at my watching when's it going to end? Um, okay, so that's divergent. No, I take it they're both. They're bothered with either. <laughs> right. Okay. Uh, quickly moving on because we're running out of time. Uh, Blu-ray is released this week and and next week. Why we're not talking about them next week? Are we well, not? Um, I thought well, we should really be talking about next week's releases because we go out on a Wednesday, so it would make more sense to say what's out on the following Monday rather than talking about what's already out that week. Don't you think? So that's why I thought we do. But I thought I'll do this week. Because there wasn't much out next week, basically. <laughs> so, so you, you, yeah, okay, that makes perfect sense, Steve. On you go. <laughs> this week we've got the Hobbit: Desolation of Smaug and Old Boy. Um, Old Boy's reviews already up. Went up today on the Monday, thanks to Kaz. Uh, Simon, I got a bone to pick with you. Why is no one reviewing the Hobbit? Come on, this, are, is demo- this is our demographic, right? I am. With. I am. <laughs> Get on I'm, with it. I'm going to review it. I ordered it today. I've had mine for two weeks. <laughs> two weeks. Nobody watched it. Uh, just for the record then uh, picture quality superb audio quality superb extras obviously aren't fantastic but they're not bad actually for um, uh, not the special edition version but you know the the, the, uh, extras are okay Uh, the film yeah and why would you buy this knowing that there's an extended edition probably going to come in a couple of months I'm I'm assuming if you're a fan like me I don't think there's many of them they're getting less by the day yeah okay Next week is Nebraska, which I believe Kaz is working on at the moment, and also Walking with Dinosaurs in 3D. Yeah. Okay, so that's the, the Blu-rays that are released this week and next week. And uh, finally, just a, a quick one for Ed. It's Record Store Day soon. When is that? Um, that's a fantastic question. Give me a moment. Um. <laughs> nice, nice to see that you're, uh, you know, we, all, we knew we were talking about this right at the start. So good to see you've um, done your research. Uh, sorry, you, know, you asked me about right, dates. 19th of April. I'm never very good at dates, but as Steve so kindly points out, it's 19th of April. And why should you be enthusiastic about about participating in it? Well, simple answer is that Record Store Day is designed to celebrate our independent retailers. Um, where and you know, let's face it, with HMV a shadow of its former self and almost everything else going online, they are often the the sole presence left. They've actually out survived the things that were supposed there's, to. There's kill. one record store within a uh, hundred miles radius of me. One. Yeah, you, you live in you live next in Winterfell or whatever. No, the, <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you, there used there used to be one almost in every corner around here, yeah. and well, they've all gone. I'm, I'm afraid. Own, only the there are a scant number of survivors, but they are now destination stores. They were always the best, and in many ways, to survive in these tough times, they've become even better. Record Store Day um, is designed to celebrate these stores, and the reason why you should care um, is that if you do have a, a record player, I stress that that's perhaps the buy-in required on this. You. There on the on the day every year, certain records are released that are unique to Record Store Day. They will not feature in any other medium. They do not appear on. They appear online the day after uh, on eBay for a massively inflated price. But if you want them at a fixed price, they will be in stores. Now the thing is that there's normally a list released shortly in the run-up. To, to the day itself of things that you can expect to find but what's much more fun is that normally there's a couple of releases that literally come in under the radar now this time last year um quite and literally with no warning at all three eps from um a scottish band called boards of canada appeared and it has been it, prior to those appearing it had been the best part of a decade 
since anything from them had actually been been released. And within the sad little world that I inherit, it just went crazy. Um, and it, it preluded up. To, it was the prelude to the release of uh, their first album in years and years and years, called Tomorrow's Harvest, that was released later on in twenty in in twenty thirteen. And yeah, uh, essentially, it just is. It's one of those things where it brings a bit of buzz back to physical media in in you know the only way really that it's possible to do now. It use it harnesses the power of the internet to celebrate doing something the old way. And I, I kind of like that. And the reason I brought this up this morning is to, you know, it's actually become quite an established thing for, um, for, for music now. And I'm beginning to wonder if this is what potentially might end up being required for the, the business of, of physical film media as well. Well, I do miss the days of um, going to Manchester or, or getting on the train all the way to London to scour the stores for laser discs. Uh, that used to be the appeal of that, Steve, wasn't it? I mean, you were probably one person that did that as well uh, in this in this group. Um, you know, trying to f- trying to find um, obscure laser discs or or stuff that you knew was released, but nobody could source it and so on. And then you'd walk into a store and find a copy and pay a hundred quid for it. Um, I miss that. I miss that side of things. That was long before the internet, though. Um, I don't know about you, other guys. Um, for me, uh, it would probably be kind of games wise. Um, yeah, there have been a couple of games that I kind of used to scour for. I was kind of hopeful that I'd see in larger stores. And, and these days, as you say, kind of since the advent of everything being listed online and also not just everything being listed online, you also now know the value of everything online. So you yeah. can see exactly almost what that market value is of something that you've been trying to get hold of. Yeah. Um, and that becomes either inflated or you know there's a massive amount. Whereas there was a, a lovely kind of sense of potluck of how much will you be willing to spend if you do finally see it. Yeah, there used to be record fairs and and all those kind of th- computer fairs, computer oh, game fairs, all that kind fairs. of thing. It used to be a big day out, didn't it, Steve? Uh, yeah, it used to be great going to record fairs and flicking through all the all different albums and singles, looking for that one gem that you'd heard about that I'd never found, or or you know just. I used to buy things like uh, programs from like Floyd concerts in the seventies, that kind of stuff. All kinds of great stuff. And now it's either it's just not available, or you know you just look at it online. It's just not the same. There's a sense of community about going to things like record fairs. When I was a DJ, it was always white label stuff. Yeah, always just taking a risk on something. You know what is this? Could be anything in there. Yeah, couldn't it? it could be hey, Barry Manilow's latest song for you until <laughs> you played it at home. Well, but you, Simon, were you, you know, back in the day, were you somebody who went scouring for stuff? Yeah, um, I used to go to um, memorabilia fairs um, to pick up uh, videos. Actually, um, various uncensored versions of films. <laughs> yeah, enough of that, Simon. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean, the old video nasties and that kind of thing, because it was the only yeah, way you, yeah. got, you got your hands on them was getting it from other enthusiasts, wasn't it? And exactly. These exactly. types of things, um, yeah. You know, I used to go to, you know, I went to the NEC, it was probably the biggest one I went to in, in Birmingham, um, you know, football field pitch size area um, full of people trying to unload Illicit material to so, other enthusiasts. So, what did, what did you what did you dress up as at these things? I, no, funnily enough, there, there used to be a few, not very many. Um, I mean, I'm going back twenty twenty odd years, but there used to be the occasional um, stormtrooper or Darth Vader, but yeah, nothing. I mean, like now, Collectomania has sort of taken that that thing yeah. on, and yeah, um, I'm pleased to say that when it comes to buying music, we all we all just 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 dress as dishevelled vagrants. Well, I don't know whether I don't know whether this is wearing hobos. But Ed, 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 you'd be seen as as the young upstart at these things nowadays. You'd be surprised. Hip, hipsters are annoying in this regard because some of them are, are, are weirdly wealthy, or at least they have less overheads in other areas, and they're prepared to spend a lot of money tracking certain stuff down. So yeah, I mean, there are weird, obviously there's a weird subset. It's not on which uh, a group on which you base the future of the future of survival of any format. But no, I mean, I'm. I'm 33 for my sins, and I am rarely, if ever, the youngest there by any margin at all. Um, there, uh, there, there, there are, but the, and 
don't know whether they're buying the records and they actually then actually bother to play them. I've never never <laughs> felt the compulsion to ask. But no, there are there are you know there are children running around buying records as well. So uh, yeah, I think I've got a couple of these hipsters on my Facebook feed. They are annoying people, aren't they? Mm, yeah, but that, that, that's no, that's one for my my, my Christmas Christmas diatribe. So uh, <laughs> right, okay. So uh, we have to wrap this one up. If uh, if you're interested in Record Store Day, uh, check out the website www.recordstoredayalloneword.co.uk uh, go and check that out and it's like Ed said it's on the 19th of April right so that's it for the AV Forums podcast uh, Mr Hodgkinson has had to uh, disappear to look after the kids so my thanks to Steve Withers stupid thugs people behaving like that Mark Botwright. How do you say banana daiquiri? Dead Sally banana daiquiri Simon Crust oh yeah a buffer Family had a lot of buffers. Uh, don't forget, you can follow us on Twitter and Facebook, bookmarkavforums.com for the latest reviews, news, and video. Plus, you can leave us a rating on iTunes if you enjoyed the show. I'm Phil Hinton. Thanks very much for listening, and we'll see you again next Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs>